Hello, and welcome to another episode of the SIRS Group Podcast. I am Barbara. And I'm JC. And today we are talking about very specifically the prescription medications involved in the treatment of SIRS according to the Shoemaker Protocol. So this should be an exciting topic. They're all the medications, uh, at least people who have been on the treatment uh, have come to know and love probably, um, but maybe there's some that you have not heard of here in this list. And if it seems like it might be right for you, maybe it's something to ask your doctor about, not to sound like a pharmaceutical commercial right now at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are not paid by big pharma. Uh, but to that end, we're also not medical professionals. We have had SIRS. We've taken a lot of these medications. We have a group of people who are experiencing SIRS, and they mention the medications that they are taking in the group. But we are by no means medical professionals, so definitely don't take any of this as medical advice. And truly, the reason I wanted to do this episode was because there are a couple of medications on this list that aren't part of the Shoemaker Protocol, but a lot of people have found super helpful as like a supportive therapy, adjunct therapy to that protocol. So hopefully by learning about this, it would give you the opportunity to discuss with your provider and see if it's a good option for you. Beautiful. Uh, so I guess we should start with like arguably the most important one, which is the binders. Yes. Biotoxin binders are specific. They're not like charcoal and clay. Um, so they were accidentally discovered. Um, they're old school cholesterol meds, um, bile acid sequestrants. So they actually work by binding with bile. And they were accidentally found when Dr. Shoemaker of Shoemaker Protocol fame uh, prescribed them as an anti-secretory diarrhea fixative. Um, and then he actually found that his patients got better in a lot of different ways, not just the diarrhea. <laughs> um, and so that's actually what led into the Shoemaker research. So the biotoxin binders, these bile acid sequestrants, the two most commonly prescribed are cholestyramine. That's kind of your gold standard. It has the most receptor sites, so it can grab onto more biotoxins. And then the secondary option is Wellcol or colocevalum. I might be biased. I took colocevalum, aka Wellcol, throughout my entire treatment. It comes in a pill. It's super cheap super convenient. Um, so cholestyramine is the gold standard, but it also comes in a powder form and it, it tastes various levels of nastiness. You have to get it compounded. So there's just a lot more uh, to that. Um, but again, it is more effective. So definitely talk to your provider to see which one might be more right for you. I should stop rambling and let you talk because you've actually tried both. No, that's fine. And that was maybe the only thing I would add to that. I have tried both. Uh, I will agree that um, well call is way more convenient. It's the, it's the quick, convenient, easy to do. If you have, have a very busy life and you just want to pop a pill, um, it's just a lot easier to deal with, um, than CSM or cholestyramine. That said, like you already covered, cholestyramine is so much more effective. So you, you may, may get better faster if you're on CSM. So that is, a uh, juggling act that only you and your practitioner can do for you. Um, but as far as the taste and the convenience, the, the reason I'll go back to that is I remember when I was traveling and I had only brought cholestyramine, the powder stuff with me. And I like had to find a water. I was in a hotel room, so I had to find a water bottle and I forgot I didn't have a straw. And then, uh, and then the water wasn't cold. 
Oh my God. That was a next level. Like if you want your CSM to taste really bad, put it in like lukewarm water. It just like way worse. And I, I don't, I mean, cold, the colder temperature of most liquids makes things taste better. I would say like a, a cold Coke Zero is much better than a warm one. Um, so in the same way, I guess that that applies to CSM. Uh, but that that's just hard to deal with when you're traveling. Now I'm rambling. But my point is, well call is this convenient pill and you take you take your two with some water and then you move on or any drink that you want and then you move on with your life um so yeah it's just there's just more to deal with but again it is more effective so that is a trade off so i don't want to scare people away from csm by any means because it can be uh very key to your healing if that's a direction you need to go Another thing to consider with binders is that if you're still in exposure or you're someone who's experiencing a lot of reactivity to different medications, you may react to the binders. Um, and some people find that well call is a little gentler in the onboarding. Um, so that's another consideration. And then finally, we should talk about mycobind, which is the only non-prescription option. It's less effective than well call. It can be really difficult for people to tolerate, especially if you're someone who's sensitive to oxalates. Mm, yeah, and I have no, that I'm aware of, I have no experience with mycobind, um, but I have heard some some members go that route, maybe because they're waiting to see a doctor because a lot of the SERS doctors have several months of a wait at this point if you try to book an appointment. So it some just take the initiative to start on their own and you can because you don't need a prescription. Um, but yeah, I would just be careful with that. And obviously it's best to wait and do things with the guidance of some kind of practitioner, um, a doc your doctor, hopefully. So next in the protocol is treating Marcon. So Marcon's or multi-antibiotic resistant coagulase negative staph is an infection that a lot of SERS patients have in their nose. There's a bunch of different sprays you can use to treat this. And actually most of them are not prescripted, but it, it just kind of fits in this category. So we threw it in. The two most common are EDTA and BEG. Those are what most of the providers seem to prescribe. You can also take a xylitol product called XClear that's available widely on Amazon. Some people will do like colloidal silver. One thing to note with colloidal silver is to make sure you're not taking any sort of saline nasal spray around the same time because it actually makes it a less effective version of silver. I just recently learned this um, kind of nerding out about it a little. Um, glad to know that now. Thank you. And then I think the last treatment I've heard of for Marcon's is ozone therapy. Interesting. Which, yes. Yeah. I didn't know about that. I, I'll add a couple more um, widely available ones, including the X-Clear, which is Argentin 23 and ACS spray. And we'll have non-affiliate links to all of these things in the show notes if you want to check that out. But that's um, those are a couple more options that people can try. And, and one thing I'll say about uh, Marcon's, different sprays seem to work for different people, just like the binders. There are, by the way, there are some people who do much better on WellCall than they did on CSM. And hmm. there's no real rhyme or reason to it that we know of. You just kind of have to try it and see what works best for you. Same thing with the Marcon sprays, um, all of the options. I did EDTA spray for several months and it did work, but I recolonized because my MSH wasn't high enough. Now we're getting into the weeds, but now I'm trying different other 
kinds of sprays to uh, to just, you know, mix it up a little bit, experiment. So you may have to do the same thing with some of these varieties. Uh, recently, I heard providers talking about, and I don't know the last two that you mentioned, but they were talking about probiotic nasal sprays and as an alternative to some of the like more herbal, basically the concept is break open the biofilm and then attack the, the Marcons, um, like with EDTA and BEG. But recently I've heard people talking about probiotic sprays. And I think that's really interesting. I don't really have more information about that, but just like a put a pin in that. I hope to see more information about that soon. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I mean, I'm glad that they're coming up with more possible options um, because it's it does seem like just different things work for different people. And I will I'll also add here that if you have dogs and you may be con you may want to test them for Marcons as well. We did a whole episode on dogs and sirs, so I'll link that in the show notes if you want to go back to that. But you can test your dog. Uh, for Marcons. And um, I believe the only spray that is safe to administer to a dog, of course, get you get vet approval as well on this, is the BEG spray specifically. Mm -hmm. And it is a prescription. You would need to get it from your vet. And usually people need to spray it on a Q-tip and then put it in their dog's nose, which of course they're going to love. Uh, but I really wanted to say this uh, because dogs um, don't do well with the fake sugars, the xylitol stuff, like that's a, a neurotoxin for dogs. So please do not use the any of the other ones that were mentioned, uh, except for the BEG spray, if you're dealing with your dogs. And the only reason I mentioned dogs at all, uh, again, you can watch the other episode, is uh, you can actually get recolonized with Marcons by your dog. If you're anything like me, you give your dog kisses, not like on the mouth, but like on the snoot. You oh, know? I do. Like, oh. <laughs> I ask Some... Emma if she wants lip balm and then I just kiss her right on the lips. Oh, that's really cute. Um, my dogs will like get me. That's usually like they'll like lick at the wrong time and it's like either in my nose or my mouth. And I'm like, that they, like was... want a French kiss right now in the yeah. middle of, you know, this dog walk. Let's do right. it. Yeah, yep. that's sanitary. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> but you can recolonize with from your dog. So if you are having just the worst time getting rid of your Marcons and you have dogs, you may want to test them. And then if they're if they test positive, then treat them with the BEG spray. But that does involve trying to find a vet that's going to be able to do that or a doctor that might prescribe you BEG spray that you could. Oh, whoops, I used it on my dog. Didn't hear it from me. Anyway, that's uh, the only reason I bring that up with the dogs. The last step of the Shoemaker protocol is vasoactive intestinal peptide spray. It's a nasal spray you take to correct the neuroinflammation caused by SIRS. So it actually corrects those volumetric changes that SIRS patients experience and have been shown by the NeuroQuant. Definitely check out our episode on that if you're interested in more information. Um, but this is a nasal spray. You either get it in spray form or as a powder that you then mix into a saline solution for yourself. It is expensive, it expires quickly, it has to be refrigerated. There's a ton of nonsense with VIP and most patients are on it for, I think I've heard anywhere from six to 12 months as the end step of their protocol. Yes, and um, there are some indications that some people don't do well with it and that the one test that you can take to help you determine if you 
if you may be one of those people, if you're worried at all, is the genie test. And we've done an episode on that too. So uh, lots of lots of previous episodes to check out if you're following along. But um, I will say this though, my genie test told me that I would not do well with VIP spray. And I have had previously taken VIP spray and I did just fine. In fact, I had no change positive or negative. So take that how you will. But that is something that some, if you are doing the genie test earlier, uh, you know, at the start of your treatment, that will be a piece of information that your doctor will probably pay attention to. Um, all that said, generally speaking, doctors are going to start you on a really low dose to be very safe. And they're going to be testing your blood monthly. I think it's monthly, right, JC? Yeah. Um, yeah to make sure that it's everything's fine and 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 it's it's a very closely monitored process so it's safe i i told my doctor after one month like come on doc give me the full dose cuz this ain't doing nothing and he reluctantly did and it still still didn't help me at that point in my healing so i'm hoping to return to that later but anyway. my experience with vip was different because it i before vip i would have told you i was like 90% better maybe 80 to 90% better in terms of my symptom resolution. But then when I started taking VIP, I would have these moments where I'd just be like walking up the stairs. My knees didn't hurt. And I would be like, oh my gosh, I feel normal right now. It's like the the fog would clear and the heavens would open. Um, and then over time, as I was doing the VIP, I just had more and more of those moments. And then those moments turned into hours and those hours turned into days. And at this point, I've um, been you know supplementing VIP for a long enough period of time that that's my new normal. And i I think I told you after a month of doing VIP, I was like, I feel 100%. And the next month I would be like, I feel even better. So it's like percentages just broke in my brain or something. But it it is this weird thing of like, maybe you don't remember how you felt before you had SIRS or maybe you've had SIRS so long you don't know what normal feels like, but just kept getting better and better for me. And that's actually the indicator they use to take you off VIP is when you say, I feel normal and you don't keep having these progressive effects. So just to quickly mention, if you are exposed after you've done the protocol, after you've gotten to that point of I feel normal, um, you want to stick, stay in contact with your service provider because if you are exposed, you'll want to get back on the binders and possibly VIP for a period of time to help you clear those biotoxins, make sure you don't have any residual neuroinflammation. Yep. Here you go. I have nothing to add to that apparently. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're doing <laughs> The other two kind of categories of medication I wanted to mention because a lot of our members take them, they were suggested to me throughout my protocol was one, we hear a lot of people who are dealing with different pain issues or mood issues. And one thing that a lot of people have found really helpful and something that's actually pretty commonly prescribed for people who have rheumatitis, rheumatitis, rheumatology problems. I don't, what is English? Hmm. It's called low-dose naltrexone, and it's low-dose. The max dose you take is 4 milligrams. You do work up to that dose, and it helps with dopamine regulation, so it can help people who are experiencing pain issues. It can also help with regulating mood. A lot of people really love this. When I took it, I had night terrors, so it works for some people. doesn't seem like it does anything for some people, and then for some people like myself, I was just like, the scary lady at the edge of my bed is not worth whatever this can do. Oh my God, that's terrifying. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I was in the the didn't do anything for me camp. Um, 
But but again, we see people have just fantastic responses to it. So if that's yeah, if those are some of the things you're struggling with, definitely ask, you know, and and try it. We JC and I both tried it and JC stopped taking it when the lady showed up. So <laughs> yeah, if anyone has seen the haunting of Hill House, it was very like the bent neck lady. I was just like, nope, absolutely not. <laughs> oh I will take whatever pain it takes. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> So the second category we see a lot of people take is mast cell stabilizer histamine blockers. So typically people who are experiencing a lot of reactivity, so they're having a lot of histamine response, and that could be, you know, headache, GI issues, rashes, itchy skin, mood issues, like histamine can be a lot of things. Google it, see if those any of those symptoms uh, relate to you. Mast cell stabilizers help decrease the likelihood of histamines being released. And then histamine blockers actually stops your body from reacting to those histamines so you don't get the histamine response. These can be very finicky medications in terms of both the dosing and the specific medication you're prescribed. So definitely, definitely work with your provider in terms of making sure you're on the right medication for you. Well, I hope that this list of things was helpful for you. And you can uh, definitely go and talk to your doctor about any of these if you're curious and together you guys can decide if any of them are worth a try. But if you want to hear more stories about people's experiences on various medications and lots of other fun stuff and getting support and all that good goodness, uh, join us over at thesersgroup.com. We'll see you there.